0: This week on The Elucidator's Decoding Global News, we journey to Thailand, which most Westerners associate with pristine beaches and a welcoming, peaceful culture. Little do most outsiders know that the land of smiles, despite its many charms, has long been one of the least politically stable countries in the world. This year, tens of thousands of protesters have been in the streets of Bangkok and other major Thai cities, calling for changes to a supposedly constitutional monarchy that has been cooperating with the military to consolidate absolute power. Now Thailand stands on a knife's edge between reform and escalation. And we're here to give you the 411. As always, thanks so much for listening. And if you have a friend who wants to learn more about what's going on in the world, please do us a solid and tell them about the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Elucidators. As always, I'm your host, Steve Pally, And with me, as per usual, is my co-host, Pete Newsome. Pete, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, Steve. This uh this week seems like it just flew by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Even know what's up. You I don't want to walk in nature later, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll say that's really good, man. Yeah. We do this every Tuesday and it, it has gone rapidly. Yeah. And um I would like to make note of the fact that it is your birthday, my friend, and
0: happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it's been a good day. It's been a great day. I just went and test drove some cars, which is something I've been meaning to do for a while. Lease is up next month, and uh, I'm turning 39 this week, Pete, which is, I see it as like the Joe Biden birthdays. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm not that excited about it, but I'm glad it's there. I'm glad I made it to 39. Because let's face it, it's been a crazy year. I mean, has being 38
1: been like the Trump of years <laughs> of your life? Not. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Like, I feel like late 30s, approaching early middle age, it all kind of blends together. But, you know, happy to uh, have achieved another year on planet Earth and hoping that the next one improves substantially in certain respects. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes absolutely i couldn't hope for anything more more yeah yeah we'll see what
0: happens anyway what are we doing this week pete we're gonna talk about
1: thailand this week steve ah the land of smiles the land of smiles i didn't even know that was its nickname until until this week it's interesting there's a lot going on in thailand which i think has been it's flown under my radar mine too <laughs> over the last couple months just because there's a lot of other things happening, of course. But there's really some turbulence going on over there in Thailand. Mm. So we're going to talk about that. Um,
0: Yeah. So what's going on exactly?
1: Yeah. What's going on is there have been mass protests over the last week. Okay. Well, not just the last week, but they've intensified this last Mm. week. These protests are calling for major reforms to the country's government. And in terms of this cycle of protests, they're about to enter their second week. Okay. Got it. But they've been going on... Longer than that, right? They have, yeah. They first started in in March of this year, and Mm -hmm. then due to COVID, they paused. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of reanimated in July Mm -hmm. and became more intense. Got it. So these are big mass gatherings, street protests, somewhat similar to what was seen in Hong Kong prior to that national security law. Okay,
0: yeah. So they're pro-democracy protests, right? And this is interesting because Thailand is nominally a democracy. It's a constitutional monarchy, and we'll get into that. My understanding is that these protests are centered in Bangkok, which is the capital city of Thailand, right? But they're kind of spreading out from there, including to major tourist areas like Chiang Mai and um, beach towns like uh, Phuket, things
1: like that. Yeah, that's um, right. They've really intensified and grown and, and spread to different regions besides or beyond Bangkok. Got it. Um So what do these protesters want? Yeah, it's like you said. It's interesting that they are pro-democracy protests in a nominal democracy. Um, Mm. The protesters are demanding the resignation of the Prime Minister, Prayuth Mm Chan-ocha, who is a former military general who led a military coup against the elected government in 2014. And Uh uh, since then
0: he has stayed in control of Thailand. So maybe not so democratic after all, and perhaps less smiley than previously indicated. Perhaps so, yeah. He's he's sitting
1: there due to a military coup. And as it turns out, military coups are the
0: furthest thing from rare in Thai history. Yeah, Quite a few of them have happened. <laughs> a bunch of them, yeah. More than any other country on Earth for about the last 90 years. And we'll talk more about that. Yeah, so they want... The PM to resign, an ex-general who moved basically from the military right into the PM's residence, they're looking for a new constitution because the last one was promulgated under military rule and passed in a referendum in which nobody was allowed to campaign against it. Once again, all the form of democracy, none of the substance, right?
1: (laughs) Right. You can't reasonably call that a democratic... Uh, achieved constitution.
0: No, it's no there's nothing particularly legitimate about that. And then finally, this is an interesting one, reform of the monarchy, which mm-hmm. works in league with the military and has become unpopular with younger Thais. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is quite a sort of stunning, disruptive thing to Thai society because the monarchs there have been held as deities in a sense, or maybe that's going too far, but they've been Greatly respected by the older generation. Yeah,
0: they, what I would say is they're paragons of national virtue. They're very closely associated with the Thai state and the hundreds of years during which Thailand has been a united kingdom. So the Thais have always felt very strongly about the monarchy, but this new monarch is a real character,
1: right, Pete? He certainly is. So a little backstory on the monarchy there. So King Rama the 10th, whose real name is Maha Vajira Longkern, ascended to the throne four years ago. He aspires to reinstate Thailand's absolute monarchy, which became constitutional about 90 years ago. So, absolute monarchy means absolute control, right? And yeah, we hardly see that anywhere in the entire world anymore.
0: Yeah, very rare in 2020. And, you know, at one point it was not rare even in Europe, but that was hundreds of years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that was the norm. Yeah, ever since, basically, the French Revolution. We've had constitutional or limited monarchies. And now, a lot of countries have monarchs, sure, but they're just heads of state. They're more ceremonial, like Queen Elizabeth II. She appears on, you know, uh, the pound sterling, the money, and uh, does various ceremonial things, but Mm -hmm. has no real power. That's the type of monarch we're used to seeing. We're not used to seeing people who have absolute control of the government. But King Rama X, as it happens, is the 10th ruler in the Chakri dynasty, which has been around for, I suppose, quite a while now. And he is looking to play the absolute monarch hits, basically. He he wants to roll things back, seemingly, 90 years before constitutional monarchy was established in Thailand. And this guy is kind of like a human cartoon. Like, I don't really know (laughs) how else to describe him. He's bizarre, and he's acted in increasingly despotic fashion, right, Pete? That's right, yeah. He assumed direct control of the
1: Crown Property Bureau, which Mm. used to be run by the state, along with all $40 billion in its holdings, which basically means just saying, everything in this bank account is mine personally now. When there was, uh, prior to that, that money was for the monarchy, but not for any one individual. Like, Right. And this guy is just like, nope, all of the jewels, all of the buildings, all of the property. They don't belong to Thailand. They belong to me personally. Yes. <laughs> Which is further funny in a way because he spends almost all of his time in the southern German state of Bavaria. In Germany. <laughs> so he yep. does he's the king of Thailand, but he doesn't live in Thailand. So... No. I mean, the people of Thailand loved and revered and respected his father, mm-hmm. but they don't feel that way
0: about this guy. No, he's he's acted like a total weirdo. He doesn't even live in Thailand. He has created, he's carved out the Royal Command Guard consisting of 5,000 crack troops under his direct command in Bangkok, which is another thing that's not supposed to happen. He created an entire regiment
1: within the military that answers directly to him, 5,000 Soldiers. Right. That's new and it's not supposed to happen. And the problems (laughs) with that are uh, self evident.
0: Yes. Yeah. And he also intervened in the 2019 elections, which were not particularly democratic anyway. (laughs) But he disqualified his sister from running in the elections, which definitely wasn't supposed to happen.
1: And the reason she was running is interesting and perhaps we'll talk about it later. Mm -hmm. Um, She was uh, encouraged to run by political. Rival of the current prime minister, we'll get into that. Yes,
0: yeah. And Thailand is one of the few remaining countries on earth that has laws on the books by which, if you criticize the monarchy, it is a crime. And in Thailand, if you criticize the monarchy technically, it's punishable by up to 15 years in prison. And this law hasn't always been enforced very tightly, but more recently, it's being leveraged more and more often. Against the enemies of, of the king, yeah. Just the fact that it's on the books was shocking to me.
1: hmm You know, as with so many places on Earth, there's a lot more, of course, that I could know about Thailand. But the sort of, like, set-it-and-forget-it idea I had about Thailand was that it was uh, pretty stable and, like, life was good there. <laughs> pretty free, I guess you
0: could say. Yeah, I associate Thailand... With awesome food, beautiful beaches, really friendly people who are extremely hospitable, Mm -hmm. and beautiful nature. And, like, that's—and Buddhism, right? Like (laughs) Buddhism, I guess that is the national religion, isn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. But um, it turns out it's one of the few places on Earth where you can be put in prison for up to 15 years for saying anything negative about the monarchy. Yeah. That type of law is very
0: antiquated. Yeah, it's— yeah, it's pre-modern, for sure. Again, it was something that was very common throughout the, the Western world centuries ago, but is very uncommon in places that have free speech, which, again, is most of the Western world. And free speech is kind of iffy in Thailand, as it turns out. So we have these very large protests. They've been largely peaceful to this point. Although dozens of protesters have been arrested so far under this criticizing the monarchy law, the so-called Les Majestés, which Hmm. means uh, insulting the majesty, right, in French. And the government has forbidden gatherings of more than four people under the state of emergency declared in Bangkok. Protesters are ignoring this militantly. There's like thousands of people gathering every day. This law regarding...
1: Is a state of emergency that says only four people or less are allowed to gather, that was just instated last Thursday. Today's mm-hmm. a Tuesday. So, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That was like five days ago. That's right. And as you say, protesters have been roundly ignoring this. So, it's escalating
0: quickly. It is, yeah. And, and so far, I don't think there have been any deaths, but the authorities are starting to respond with things like water cannon. So, you can see how this could escalate in a really nasty way from Absolutely.
1: here. Absolutely. The uh, the government shut down certain s- train stations, rail stations in an attempt to preemptively stop these protests, but that's
0: been unsuccessful. Hasn't worked. People are walking or driving. <laughs> yeah. They want they want to gather and they want to make their presence felt. That's right. So we'll talk a little bit more about the immediate situation in Thailand. But first, we're going to figure out what the deal is with Thailand, Pete. Because again, we had this preconceived notion before doing research on this show about what Thailand's all about. It turns out that there's quite a bit more there than either of us knew about, right? Very true. You want to run through the basics? Yeah,
1: why don't I do that? Size-wise, Thailand is larger than California, but smaller than Texas. (laughs) <laughs> I like to conceive of it as something like 3.7 Maryland. Is that so. for real? Did you, did you, did you measure that? N- no, I just thought about it for a little bit. Yeah, I eyeballed it. Okay. 70 million people live in Thailand. So it's a little, it's bigger than California, smaller than Texas, but has the population
0: of both California and Texas combined. Right. It has some very big cities. Bangkok is huge. And then it has just like this vast sort of interior pretty rural that has a ton of people in it
1: okay got it
0: that's kind of the the profile there
1: Uh it's a middle income country um similar to mexico in terms of gdp uh, per capita Mm -hmm. it is an advanced economy based on services heavy industry and tourism the tourism as you can imagine, COVID hasn't been kind to that part of their economy.
0: <laughs> no, it has not. And they also make a lot of industrial goods for export um, mm. to other Southeast Asian economies and increasingly the West. Um, Got it.
1: So that's also hurting for sure.
0: Yeah. it's uh, Any sort of trade and tourism has suffered under COVID. But, you know, Thailand is relatively well developed and it has a growing middle class. And mm-hmm. I think. When you start to see a growing middle class, typically what happens is you start to get demands for better political representation. And that's kind of what we're starting to see in Mm -hmm. Thailand over the past several decades. Yeah, and if that runs up against a monarchy that somehow is still
1: the way that monarchies were in the 1700s, things can get turbulent. Exactly. Wasn't supposed to be, but... (laughs) Well, whatever is. So a little bit of... uh, more further back history, the Unified Kingdom of Siam was established in the mid-14th century. It was heavily Buddhist, or I should say is heavily Buddhist, Buddhist, although
0: there are Muslims in the south of the country. That's right. There's Malay Muslims kind of in the the southern part of the Thai Peninsula, and there's actually been uh, sort of an Islamic insurgency in the far south of the country. Not so much right now, but earlier in the
1: 21st century. Thailand is the only Southeast Asian country that was never colonized by Europeans, although it was invaded and occupied by Japan in World War II. Right. It is a U.S. ally that assisted the Americans in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. Mm -hmm. And this bit of information is something that really was surprising to me when we were researching this this week. Since 1932, there have been 12 coups and 20
0: constitutions in Thailand. That sounds tiring. Really tiring. (laughs) Yeah. They've completely rewritten their constitution and started over 20 times since 1932. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to imagine that some of those are more like modifications where they maybe like cross some stuff out, write some other stuff in. (laughs) But the point is, the country's actually been pretty unstable for 90 years. and. 1932 was when the absolute monarchy ended. That had been a going concern for about 600 years. Okay. And just pure turbulence since then. Pretty much. It's more yeah. than any other country on earth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> crazy. I'm going to say that's a trip. The military and the monarchy have frequently worked together to quash democratic movements including a bloody crackdown against student protests in the 1970s.
0: Yeah. So, during the Cold War, and this happened basically in a lot of American allies in and around this part of the world, you had sort of student protests who were left-leaning, communists, basically. And then you had the right-wing authorities, who in this case were monarchist, um, but could have been... More anti-communists kill hundreds to thousands of people in the streets. And this has been a recurring theme in Thailand. Every so often, you have these crackdowns, the military moving in, and you have this pendulum swing between more democracy and more autocracy. And we've never really settled someplace in the middle. There's been no equilibrium that has lasted for any period of time. This turbulent change over and over. Since 1932, we have basically uh, a new crackdown every decade, more or less, sometimes to a decade. In terms of more recent history, we had Prime Minister Taksin Shinawat ousted in 2006 by the military. And he was a very popular, I think, media tycoon or telco tycoon.
1: Telecom, yes.
0: Yes. And his Puatai party is associated with the Shinawat family. It stands for popular sovereignty in a constrained monarchy, meaning the monarch is the head of state, not the head of state and the head of government, which is what Rama the Tenth is trying to roll back to. Got it. And the Puatai Party is still influential. Yes,
1: very influential. A lot of members. Thaksin Shinawat no longer lives in Thailand because he was ousted, but he is active. You know, he has. He's a billionaire.
0: Yep. We'll, we'll talk about him. He's chilling mm-hmm. in Dubai, still kind of making trouble for the monarchists. The Pua Thai supporters wear red, while the monarchists wear yellow. So we've been watching videos of these giant crowds of people wearing red versus people wearing yellow. And there's a lot of sort of pushing, shoving, and shouting. Uh, and then you have the security forces or army in black. So it's like this crazy pageant, um, except people are getting beat up, hopefully yeah. not killed. <laughs> but. This guy Shinawat is kind of a character himself. He's very popular. Uh, he's somewhat comparable to a Berlusconi in Italy, or even a Trump in the United States. He's a populist, mm-hmm. and he spent billions of his own dollars, or Thai bot in this case, buying favor in poorer areas of Thailand before running for prime minister the first time.
1: Right? He sort of seeded his uh, eventual electoral success by. Doing good works, yeah, and getting people on his on his side.
0: I don't know how much of a Democrat this guy really is, but he's certainly more democratic than the monarchists. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he just wants a different kind of control. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he wants uh, Shinawat family control rather than you know the Rama dynasty or or the. That's right. And to that, and his sister
1: Yingluck Shinawat also served as prime minister. Interesting. There were major protests in 2008 through 2010. And after those protests, his sister,
0: Yingluck Shinawat won the election. In 2011. And this was after dozens were killed by the military in the streets of Bangkok during 2010. This is only 10 years ago. And so she serves for three years and gets booted by another military coup in 2014. The twelfth coup since 1932. So eight years after her brother got the boot, <laughs> she gets the boot, and we get something called the National Council for Peace and Order. And when you have an organization called something like that, that's <laughs> that's a lot of different red flags. Basically, it's uh, it's peace by way of order, right? And order by way of violence is usually how this type of thing works. <laughs> there you and go. they they push through a new constitution in twenty sixteen, because this is a Thai national pastime, that makes it harder for Pua Tai, that's the Shinawat family's party, basically, to win power. And in particular, they mess with how representation works. And representation political science is just the chain of transmission between votes and seats power. in yeah, actual political power seats in an, in the National Assembly in this case. So you have 750 total seats under this new constitution. 250 of them are in the Senate, which is now it's completely unelected and appointed by the military. Okay, so that's not a small change. That That, that is rather large. That's one third of, of the government is just military. You just
1: flipped it from being elected by the people to being appointed by the military.
0: Yeah, one third directly appointed and then... Basically 375 out of the remaining 500 is still elected popularly, but mm-hmm. um, the Senate
1: must have different powers than the rest of the National National Assembly though. they right? certainly do.
0: <laughs> they, in particular they have they have more power and uh, only half of the total seats are are subject to popular sovereignty or popular representation in the National Assembly at this point so not super democratic. And even though we had an election in 2019, there was a lot of funny business in this election.
1: And these, so. these are not easy changes to come back from. Not particularly. Those are sort of like iron fist power grabs.
0: Yeah. Not unless you have another revolution followed by a new constitution, right? Pete? Right. Revolution is usually part of that
1: change process, isn't it?
0: Once the military controls the entire Senate. Yeah, they would kind of have to. Also, after this coup in 2014, those Les Magistes Laws I was referring to, by which it's technically illegal to criticize the government, the military kicks these into overdrive. And Mm -hmm. we get hundreds of people prosecuted under these laws for doing things like posting on Facebook against the monarchy, putting on anti-monarchy plays, writing anti-monarchy graffiti in bathrooms. (laughs) They have eyes everywhere, Pete. Everywhere.
1: Damn. Can you imagine actually being imprisoned for that.
0: Some of these people have gone to jail for 15 years or will will, I suppose, go to jail, you know, assuming the government doesn't change again. They're in jail now and could be there for a while. And Rama the Ninth, he was the the former king and the new king's dad, right? He died in 2016 after this coup. This guy ruled for 70 years in much more humble fashion than his son is currently doing. And he was genuinely revered by the population, unlike his son. Yeah. It should be, like, understood that
1: a lot of the older people in Thailand think of this guy, Rama the Ninth, as sort of like someone for whom they would give their life. Exactly. Yeah. Someone who deserves the utmost respect and protection and deference. And just, I mean, it's, In a way, it sounds like the way that people are forced to think or say they think of Kim Jong Un in North Korea, but in Thailand, it's genuine and not coerced for Rama the Ninth. That's that's arguable, though, because if you said anything critical, you'd go to prison. But it's apparently it was genuinely felt towards Rama the Ninth by many of the people of the older generation in Thailand, and so that has caused a lot of family rifts. Because it's hard for the younger generation to get the message across to their parents or find understanding from their parents in conversations about why this new Rama the 10th shouldn't have total control. Totally. There's a societal conditioning among the older generation to just be like, yeah, the the royalty deserve whatever they want.
0: Yeah, they, they deserve respect. And Rama the 9th was beloved by the population and... I think they didn't need those Les majesty laws. People would lie down in front of him while he was like walking around in Bangkok and say, we are the dust under your feet and stuff like this. And, you know, he was sort of the epitome of what people felt a Buddhist monarch was to be. You know, he lived very simply, even though he was worth something like $70 billion <laughs> if you <laughs> count that that crown property, right? And generally, you know, did a good job of being head of state. Of course, during his reign was a complete mess, but the the country was united around his person.
1: Sure. And I'm sure he lived a very comfortable life, whether no doubt. he was humble about it or not.
0: Yeah, no doubt. He was worth quite a bit of money. And the last vote we had in Thailand, I referenced this earlier, 2019, it was tainted by irregularities. We had ballots lost quote unquote vote tallies changed and that formula of distribution of party seats changed after the election. So changed retroactively to favor pro military parties. <laughs> so they're like, they're not even trying at this. Sure. Point. Yeah. It's just like, we don't even care. Like we're just going to run this thing. And Thailand's kind of been like this for the last six and especially four years. So the younger uh, population of Thailand is pretty unhappy about all of this. The fact is, Pete, there just aren't that many non-constitutional or absolute monarchies left in the world. I mean, I can think of them not on one hand, but it's certainly regions on one hand. Yeah, those what's would be, left? So what's left? You've got the Gulf Arab states. So you've got your Saudi Arabia. Yeah, your, your Oman, your United Arab Emirates. You have... A handful of very small places in Africa, like Swaziland, hmm. which is in the middle of South Africa. That's an absolute monarchy. And that's basically it. That's it? So that's wow. it. Yeah. Everybody else is constitutional or or just really nominal, frankly. Like most of the European monarchs. Like you probably didn't know this. Netherlands actually has a monarch. I guess I didn't know it, but I'm not shocked by that. It seems like
1: some of those Nordic countries have monarchs that are basically just living,
0: yeah, they're common just rich people. lives, <laughs> yeah, or yeah.
1: just, just like common rich people lives,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and people are proud of them, you know, and and they're proud of the national heritage that they represent, but like they don't do anything other than just be rich people, sure, and they have no power, not none government. whatsoever, yeah, not like just ceremonial, It's just a
1: title really. in those places, and this. King Rama X in Thailand <laughs> yeah. wants to go back to that, put himself in the company of the Gulf Arab states and a yeah. few tiny countries in
0: Africa in terms of total control. He says that he doesn't, but I would say that his actions very much belie his words. And he's done a lot of dirty business in combination with the military over the past four years. So again, this guy is 68 years old. And... I think he is most accurately described as a playboy. And he apparently keeps a literal harem in Germany, which is where he lives, you know, Mm -hmm. basically 99% of the time. He went back to Thailand, I suppose, for his coronation and to mourn his father's death some number of years ago. And he returned with his uh, royal consort, I think a week or two ago. And people were surprised to see him. (laughs) They were surprised to see him in his motorcade because he's never around. Mm -hmm. What he does is he rents out a four-star hotel in the Bavarian foothills and parties with hundreds of servants and dozens of women. He's known for wearing tight undershirts and temporary tattoos at age
1: 68. Yeah, he's an old man who likes to wear crop tops and put on temporary tattoos. Bizarre. Fair enough. Yeah. You do you, Rama the 10th. He can and will and does. <laughs> Just one interesting tidbit about him, I guess, is that he was a jet fighter pilot. He, tra- he can he can fly a jet. But yeah, he's been married four times. He had a number of kids with his second wife and disowned five of them. Mm-hmm. He keeps his third wife basically in exile. Makes her shave her head. He's uh, a cruel guy. Yeah, He behaves in a way that you might expect someone whose father was held up as basically a deity who was also a billionaire and who himself was a billionaire from childhood. It's hard to come through that environment with any
0: sense of reality that matches with actual reality. Yeah. And this is the problem with absolute monarchies or one-man rule more generally. <laughs> Or authoritarian rule, even more generally than that, you can have a good king, an enlightened despot, and life is good. You're Singapore, things are going really well. Except that occasionally, you're gonna get a bad king, and then you're gonna have real problems for some period of time. And the question is whether or not you can get rid of them easily. In the United States, when we have a bad king, we can vote them out. You can't really do that in Thailand because this guy's dynasty has been around for hundreds of years. Yeah, and
1: Rama the 10th is doing everything he can to make sure that he cannot be easily removed. That's right. He amended the Thai constitution to allow him to rule from abroad without appointing a regent. So he's just like I want to bounce to Bavaria but still run things. Which it's pretty astounding that like the country lets him get away with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I let let him. I mean, there a lot of people are not happy about it.
1: That's a good point, and I guess that's what this episode is about. Is like in the past two weeks, they're making it known that they're done letting him do that without putting up any type of fight.
0: Yeah, like this guy is basically pretending to great power without any responsibility, right? (laughs) And people are not having that anymore. He's taken personal ownership of that seventy billion dollar plus crown (laughs) fortune. Which he now personally controls, and I assume funnels into chocolate and strawberries and gifts for his girlfriends in Bavaria.
1: Uh huh. In this big hotel. Yeah, he just said, This 70 billion is mine now. Yep. (laughs) He interfered in, well, constantly is interfering, but in Thai politics by barring his sister from running for office in 2019 and his sister was put up to running by Toxin Shinawat who we mentioned earlier he supported her run from abroad
0: yeah and he was like nope you can't do that <laughs>
1: yeah i think the day before the election rama the 10th said it's improper for a member of the royal family to become involved in politics Whilst, of course, being heavily involved in politics Right, so he
0: gets involved in politics to stop it from happening. (laughs) Brazen double standard. Yeah, so this dude is chilling in Germany and has been for a very long time. And there's a question now. The Germans are kind of waking up to what's going on in Thailand. And they don't want to be associated with this guy basically being a despot from their country. (laughs) And They're like, it's okay to be here If you don't run Thai affairs because you'll have diplomatic status, but you're somewhere between like a parasite and like a like a professional playboy, right? Right, and it should be noted that they, of course, knew that for a
1: long time, but the spotlight has been shown on it a bit more recently, and now is when they're choosing. And when I say they, there are different people in the German government, of course. But I think that's right. Secretary of Home Affairs or something is now saying. You know, being vocal about needing to determine whether King Rama the tenth is running
0: Thailand from Germany. Yeah, and this has led to questions in the Bundestag from the opposition about Rama the tenth's tax status because he enjoys quite a bit of income from his Thai holdings, which I guess he doesn't have to pay taxes on in Germany. But you know due to diplomatic immunity, but he probably shouldn't have diplomatic immunity <laughs> if he's there as a as a private resident. Mm-hmm. And there's also questions about why all these resorts and hotels have been opened for him during the COVID pandemic, because that's really not supposed to happen mm-hmm. anywhere. It's an illustration of... Impunity?
1: Yes. Impunity, It's and I was going to say, just the general reality that the ultra-rich have impunity... In every respect, in every place on earth, basically. That's basically true, yeah. It's a reality that I think many would call unfortunate and a very small number would call just the way it should be. <laughs> but it is
0: the way it is. This guy is particularly flagrant and and flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Because he, he is pretending to ownership of an entire country of 70 million people. Mm-hmm. And because of this... That reverence for the monarchy that we referred to earlier is breaking down. In rather dramatic fashion. Yeah. Teenagers and people in their 20s and 30s adopting the three-fingered salute from Mm. the Hunger Games.
1: Yeah, (laughs) You just threw it up and I'm seeing it for the first time because I never read those books or saw those movies. Hey, aight. Pretty cool. It's like a peace sign with one finger at it. I'm
0: into it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And this is brand new. In a country where everyone is taught to love the monarch since birth. And we're refusing to stand for the royal anthem, which was played like before movies and movie theaters, was actually illegal until 10 years ago and might be illegal again pretty soon, the way things are headed. That's right.
1: (laughs) You go to see the Hunger Games, and if you don't stand, they play the royal anthem, and if you don't stand up, you go to prison.
0: That's right. That's where, you, that's where you get the three-fingered salute. A lot of people are also giving the monarch the one-fingered salute, is my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so three minus two equals one, and you know which one that is. Meanwhile, we have the former general prime minister, Prayuth Chanocha saying things like, do not challenge the Grim Reaper. I don't know what that means, but that doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, I agree. I don't know exactly what it means, but it sounds like you're going to die. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) It's like, like, we will kill you. And they have in the past and hopefully won't in the near future. He has also said more conciliatory things like the key task for the government is to protect the monarchy. We only ask for peaceful protests, which seems more reasonable. I think he is trying to balance between keeping Thailand sort of open for business and tourism because... It's had a tough time during COVID, but in fact, the disease has been under control in Thailand, and they're trying to get people to come visit. Uh-huh. But he's also just trying
1: to slow pedal the protests in such a way that literally nothing has to change right. uh, for King Rama X. That's a big priority.
0: Yeah, he's trying to run up the clock, and, and yeah. hopefully these guys get sick and tired and go home. He's also threatening to censor the media and trying to shut down apps that these protesters are using to coordinate, particularly Telegram which we talked about last week. It's that, I guess, fully encrypted Mm -hmm. group chat client that Mm -hmm. is great for organizing protests and or plots that may or may not be terrorist And
1: may or may not work, as in the case of trying to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer.
0: That's right. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Action-packed. Action-packed. The thing is that the PM's government hasn't been able to do anything about major economic challenges that people are also angry about, especially inequality. And again, you have Rama X flaunting his vast wealth in a fully developed, beautiful region of the world, you know, southern Germany. Doesn't get much nicer than that. Hmm. Where uh, people back in Thailand who, you know, he's supposed to be ruling over as a benevolent, not deity, but paragon of virtue, are suffering because 70% of the Thai economy is tourism and exports. It's not great at this exact
1: moment. No. (laughs) And each one of these new regimes that have come in after each successive coup in Thailand has talked about these shiny new things they're going to do, like invest in infrastructure, invest in the tech sector, etc. And it doesn't happen. And if they had done that, if, you know... Prime Minister Prayath Chanocha had done what his government claimed they were going to do, like to any extent, then there might be more people who were making an income that like led them to, I don't know, be willing to
0: turn a blind eye to what the monarch is doing. Yeah. And in, I think, you know, there's a very direct link between sort of, um, macroeconomic conditions in a country and how people are feeling about the government I mean, its political economy. It's very simple. It, it works in the United States too.
1: Sure. It's a truism about how things work. Like the one way to really get people to hate your government or whatever is for the economy to go bad. That's like yeah, it's, it's rule it's number one. Issues. Yep. And so this is a self-inflicted injury to some extent on the part of this government because they just didn't support a middle class
0: growing. That is true, and I think that the military feels some degree of impunity as well, because the fact of the matter is, Thailand is, A, not a democracy, it's, it has some of the trappings of democracy, but it's rated a big fat 32 out of 100 by Freedom House, which qualifies as partly free, you know, and just basically last year, the end of last year, a, a reform party called Future Forward that was gaining popularity was disbanded. As leader charged with sedition. Um, just like that.
1: Yeah. that And that was pretty blatant. Like this leader who was charged with sedition was, I believe he was an MP. Yeah. He was a member of the government. He was an elected. He had been go- elected. So he was, <laughs> th- this was a proper political party. And, you know, the military government was just like, now you're not a party anymore. And you are going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the government, and did he go to jail? He probably did. I I
0: don't know if he's in jail or not, but... You know,
1: that's another one of those things where they're not even trying to make it look like they're allowing the kind of dissent that you would allow if you were a democracy.
0: Right. It's very transparent that the military junta from 2014 is still in control. It's also the case that the population is legitimately divided between pro-military and pro-democracy factions. You have sort of the rich urban elite that is pro-military or now royalist, I guess, you know, whereby they've been benefiting from inequality and have been doing pretty well. And then you have the rural masses and young people, where the exact opposite is true. And I think that they have numbers on their side, but the elite has the military on its side. And you know how that usually works out. It usually works out in unhappy fashion with people in the streets. And that's exactly what we're seeing.
1: That's right. We saw it with with Hong Kong earlier this year.
0: Yes, and in fact, these young activists are now looking to Hong Kong for inspiration. There are no more protests in Hong Kong because they have been squashed in extremely authoritarian fashion by China. Uh, but we're now seeing umbrellas appear in the Thai protests, and this—that was
1: a uh, trademark of the protesters in Hong Kong, right? That's
0: right, the umbrella movement from. I think, six or seven years ago in Hong Kong, and then again last year when the Hong Kong protests sort of kicked back up. And you're also seeing the aims of the protesters start to change in an interesting way. At first, earlier this year, people were saying, we need to reform the monarchy. That was the rallying cry. We don't want to get rid of the monarchy. We just want Rama X to act more like his dad. Right. We want that $70 billion back. We want him to live in Thailand Mm -hmm. instead of Southern Germany. Maybe like have his private 5,000
1: strong military regiment disbanded, disbanded, or not in his direct control.
0: Yeah. Just treat us with dignity and respect instead of, you know, treating us like a bunch of rubes and not caring about us and oppressing us, paying lip service to, you know, the 700 years of united Thai polity, of which we are legitimately proud, and they should be. Thailand was never colonized by the West. That's a big deal in this part of the world. So, earlier this year, we were at reform the monarchy. Now, people are starting to agitate for the Republic of Thailand. That's the new rallying it's cry. A step, step beyond. That's a major step beyond. They want to abolish the monarchy. They want to get rid of the king. And I think that's a red line for the military junta. And I think if that aspect of the protest starts to grow, we're unfortunately going to see some blood in the streets in a real way, not just arrests, not just water cannons, but like live ammo.
1: Because there's no real mechanism other than bloodshed yeah. for the government to, to make these protests dial back.
0: Yeah, and I think everything hinges on Rama the tenth and what he's going to do and whether he takes this seriously. There is no reason to think that he will.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's the toxic scion of too much money and too much power. He's just someone like that is not going to change.
0: He also appears to be like genuinely twisted.
1: Exactly. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like, yeah.
0: You know, his dad never would have gotten into this situation. And if he had, he would have seemingly, you know, knowing what we know about him and how people felt about him, found a way to bridge the gap between the people and the military. And I just don't think Rama the 10th gives a crap.
1: He doesn't. He's just grabbed $70 billion beyond what he already had Go back to Germany.
0: Yeah. Unless they kick him out and then he'll go someplace else. Maybe Saudi Arabia. Rama
1: the ninth just understood what role he had to play in order for the status
0: quo to be maintained. Exactly. And Rama the 10th doesn't care. He does not care. So that's a bummer. And we're going to see what will happen. And I think that this is another country on our list of places we can no longer go, right, Pete? (laughs) Depending on what happens. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've never been. I'd like to go, so yeah, F that. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, Maybe in some number of years or decades, they will figure things out and we'll we'll be (laughs) granted a visa. (laughs) But until then, we're going to monitor the situation and we are done this week.
1: We absolutely are, Steve. Have a good week, man. And I will talk to you next week. And happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.